Okay. Um, Dan, would you open us in prayer this morning? Sure. Would you? Lord God, we just thank you and we praise you with our time that you're in. Well, we're entering into um, a key area of uh, focus that I think is really important for us to um, come prepared for. And I say that um, uh, with all the muster I can because um, anytime you start um, looking at the spiritual realm and certainly our adversary and certainly these areas, um, it's important to, um, to, to understand what the scriptures really say about them. And it's a very important for us to understand the truth about these areas. Last, uh, we've been in a study for, we're going to have 21 sessions over more than 21 weeks, about 27 weeks, uh, that, that has been focused on laying a strong foundation. And I redid this to really put in here exactly what we covered each week, as opposed to more general areas. And so we, we looked at uh, the person of Christ, and the work of Christ, Christology, if you would, first three weeks, and then since then, in work week four, we've been look, we looked at beyond what, what just what we, we can see, Satan's origin, his pre-fall condition, his uh, Satan's fall, God's response, uh, Satan's sin in detail, uh, Satan's role in condemnation in the fall of man, uh, Satan's defeat. Um, looked at how that threads throughout uh, the history as we know it, Satan's names. And, and learned a lot about just his character and his nature as a result of looking at that in depth. And last week we looked at uh, Satan's current and future roles and his future judgment. And as we looked at that, we saw that uh, his nature and eternal destiny is, is certainly hell, and it was created for Satan and his demons. It's a place of torment. And we looked at a number of verses that tied to that which give us great insight into this, uh, this sorrow, this place of sorrow, this place of utter regret. Uh, the word sorrow, we said, uh, has to do with uncontrollable uh, weeping and piercing and shrieking sounds that come from the beings that will be there. We also saw that it is a place of utter regret. There's a characterized by gnashing of teeth and a grinding of one's uh, jaw in such a way that it, 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 it brings out this incredible regret about what has occurred in this life. And last but not least on that one it, it is that it's uh, a place of isolation. It's a place of outer darkness, uh, pits of darkness, um, completely separated and isolated from any other beings. Uh, dark as dark can be, with no light whatsoever, because in fact in hell uh, it is the absence of light, because we said what? God is light, and he dwells in unapproachable light. And because he dwells in unapproachable light, every place where God is not is, is, is going to be this place of banishment, completely away from all things. We said it's also called the lake of fire, and it's filled with unquenchable fire. We saw that, it, 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 uh, that uh, in Revelation 14, 9 through 11, it's important to point out that this lake of fire, uh, it, it doesn't seem as though we are able as believers to see what is going to be there uh, in eternity for whatever reason. But it does say in Revelation 14, 9 through 11 that the lake of fire with its unquenchable fire will be forever, quote, in the presence of the Lamb and His angels. And so somehow there's this incredible ability that certainly the Lord and all his holy angels 
have for all eternity the ability to be able to see this place. Um, and so I, I, I don't think we will. Scriptures aren't clear on it, but it doesn't say that we will. But it does say that, that in the presence of the Lamb and His angels forever and ever. So it gives us insight into that. And then last but not least, it says it's a place of uh, utter blackness, utter ho- hopelessness. Matthew 25 talks about it having being eternal judgment, so and punishment. So there is no, there's no hope. There's no hope for any, any kind of uh, reversal. There's no hope for any kind of, uh, of, uh, of change in that state at whatsoever. So, uh, you know, giving us a perspective of what hell really is about is is amazing to me because. This is not just the place of our adversary. It's not just the place of, of demonic beings for the future. It's also what? The place of, of those who don't know Christ. So, um, you know, many times people say, you know, don't preach on this place. But yet the scriptures are just clear and replete with all this in, information that allows us to understand that there is coming a time when human beings will be there, and it's going to be non-believers. And so, you know, it should urge us on. You know, I asked the question here about so what. You know, the so what is that this life is all we have to be able to communicate the truth of the gospel of Christ. And let it it lead us. I will, I hope never to be ashamed of communicating, you know, what hell is going to be like and causing fear of this place. It should cause great fear and consternation uh, uh, in, in, in the way in which we act, speak, talk, and uh, about these things. So, correct. When I heard, uh, yes, I was so scared. Yes, and I think that uh, that is brings more people than talking about Absolutely. goodness. Absolutely, absolutely, and and I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't apologize for that. This is a place that is that way. So, you know, it's, it's the whole counsel of God, right? So let's speak the truth in love. But let, let us not shy away from speaking the truth. It is what it is. And the scriptures will stand on their own. They will, they will be capable of handling themselves. Thank you very much. So it's us, us that just need to communicate these things. And you know what? God uses that in a way that will um, force people. Because, you know, what did I start last week out with? A circle with, a, with with something in the middle of it. What was it? Come on now. wasn't <laughs> here. Remember this? God exists. God exists. So there is... One has to deal with this issue. It is the, it is the, it is the top of the pyramid of all things as it pertains to dealing with any, any of these areas. Because if God exists, then, then what? Now... Now you ask about six questions and you get to the, to the end of the game where people have to de- declare where they're at and what's going on, right? So, sent a, a, a set of questions to, um, uh, to, to a few people in the, in the room here uh, from last week's meeting, and, and I can certainly pass those on. We'll probably talk about them later um, when we get to the worldviews, but... The first question, the first point is, does God exist or not? Second question, if he exists, has he spoken to us in some way, shape, or form? And how do we know? And, and what did he say? And all of a sudden, it gives you a place to go 
that that starts to you know unbundle itself into the worldviews of that people have, which is you know where do we come from, why we're here, how you know what's right and wrong, where we're we going, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So those things kind of start to take a life of their own once we use them in an apologetic way. Asking questions is a great way to do it. Just I mean, everybody's got to have a perspective. You know, we've been we've been conned into being so politically correct in this country, and it's just a bunch of rubbish. And we have to get over it, and we have to get on with it, because that's just deception from the evil one. And we're believing lies. And 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 if the things we're talking about here are absolutely true and unequivocally, and if we had any view into them, it would forever alter the state in which we think and how we how we consider this life and the time we have here. Uh, on planet Earth. Okay, so as we begin our time uh, today, uh, first of all, we'll, we'll have two sessions today, uh, this week and next week, about the truth about demons. Um, as you can see, I kind of went through 21, and we're still in angelology, so I, <laughs> there's about three other huge topics that I'll, we'll never get to, just because, I don't know, I think I was just really, there's no way we can get through that if you're going to do it justice. Am I right? Like, come on, you know, if you wanted to fly over at 75,000 feet, you know, you know, that's okay, I get it. there's a place for that, but I'm probably not the person to do it. <laughs> uh, Rick, we just talked about some of the questions I sent out last week, and did, did that make sense, and, and how you utilize those a little bit? To a certain extent, yeah. Yeah, okay. So then we'll look at uh, two, two weeks on temptation, one from Lessons from the Master. There's going to be some incredible things that we're going to learn from, from Matthew 4, and it's going to give us great insight into, into temptation. And then the second part we're going to look at has everything to do with, uh, with, with an, another section in Corinthians, take a look at, and in, and in James. So we'll look at that, we'll look at the, um, the doors uh, that demons use in our life. And uh, what are those doors? How does he open them? How does he get a foothold uh, or a toehold into those, those doors in our life? We're going to look at the tale of two worldviews and what that looks like and how that is, quote, set up and characterized in planet Earth and, and how it's just so clear when you get through it and, and, and discuss it. And we're going to look at the poison and the doctrine of demons, uh, what they actually say and, 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 and how... Uh, deceitful those things are. We're going to look at our armor a little bit and understand how to combat this area and uh, how important that is for us to be living in, in it. And then we're going to talk a little bit about holy angels. Won't be able to get into the detail I'd like to get into, but we're going to look at holy angels. We're going to look at their um, nature and their attributes and their, and their ministry and their classifications. And, and how that uh, affects us and, and interacts with us um, uh, as believers. Okay? So as we begin our time together today, what I want to do is I want to frame a couple things before we get started because it's very important for us to get the right frame be, as we move into talking about the truth of demons. Okay? So would you please open your Bibles to Revelation, I mean, uh, John, 1 John, and I just want to make a couple of opening comments. We'll, we'll begin in... In 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3, and uh, if you would look at uh, verses 7 and 8, and, and uh, we begin there. It says, Little children, let no one deceive you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, or is a child of the devil. 
uh, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. So it's not saying that anybody who who sins is of the devil. He says anybody who has an habitual process in their life of of being a slave to sin uh, is is of the evil one, the adversary. But I want to pick up in this point of the fact that the devil has sinned from the beginning. His point is that there is no other way that 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 he can act. And then he starts off by saying, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, appeared for this purpose. Why did he appear? That he might destroy the works of the devil. He might destroy the works of the devil. So he, the, Jesus Christ appeared on planet Earth to obliterate uh, Satan, to, to, to annihilate his everything he's done and to put it to nothing, to completely take it out, uh, unequivocally, 100%. So, the, Point number one in kind of this framing is, you know, that Jesus Christ has has appeared or was uh, incarnated for for one purpose, which was to destroy the works of the devil. Second point, I want to move it down to chapter four in First John, and uh, we're going to look at verses one through six. Here he says, "Beloved, um, do not believe every spirit." Uh, the, the original probably would be better suited by saying this. It would say, Beloved, beloved believers, stop believing every spirit. So his point is, he's writing to people who are believers and he's saying, stop being deceived by these demons. Stop being deceived by those who are are, uh, fallen angels. Okay? But what? Test the spirits to see it whether they are from God. His point is, test the doctrines that are coming from, from these mouths of false teachers to be able to see what's behind those mouths and to weigh them, put them on trial, and guard them against, uh, guard against them in such a way that you understand the messages behind what's being said. Okay? Fair enough? Many... Because there are many false prophets who have gone out into the world. So he says, test the origin or, uh, of, of what's being said. Verse 2, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. So his point is that um, demonic beings versus the Holy Spirit uh, cannot confess the deity of Christ and the incarnation of Christ, and therefore the so what of that. Uh, th- that is not something that, that they will um, do. They'll always have a, a, an ulterior motive uh, behind this. And then he goes on to say, and this is the spirit of Antichrist of which you have heard, that it is coming and now is already in the world. Verse 4. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them. Who's them? It's the demonic realm. You've overcome these false teachers, the messages behind those, and this demonic realm. You've overcome them, because greater is he, who's, who's, who's he here? Who is he here? Who is he that is in you? The, Spirit. the Holy Spirit. Greater is he, greater is the Holy Spirit that is in you than he who is in the world. Satan's tools, the false te- teachers, uh, doubt, fear, demonic fallen angels... Greater is he who is, is, is the Holy Spirit who resides in you. So, we're very clear about the fact that as believers in Christ, the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in us. 
And He lives in us. And He will never, never, ever be apart from us from now to through eternity. So, he, he is with us. So, very important point to, to make. Um, and then He says, they are, they are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world. In other words, this whole world system that's headed by Satan, they speak from it, they listen to it. But what? We are from God. He who knows God listens to us, or to the apostles, or to the, the, the teachers, the, the ones who speak truth. Um, uh, he who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And uh, this is so true. When, you're, when, when a person uh, you know, is saying they've come to Christ, yet you don't see the fruit, and they, they cringe under the under, under the um, umbrella of truth that chafes against them, you have to ask some difficult questions about it, you know? You really do. And so his point is that they're, they are showing what is like it, uh, their father. Their father. Okay? So they will line up in the same way that they, and they listen to... Um, the world and the world's systems, if you would. Last but not least, uh, turn with me to 1 John chapter 5. We're going to look at 18 through 21. Um, 1 John 5, 18 through 21. Again, these are all part of the framing of our time together in going into um, looking at the truth about demons or fallen angels. Verse 18, he says, We know that no one who is born of God sins. And the, again, the idea here is, has this slavery to uh, in a bent of sin that they never... Get rid of it's. It's that they're uh, not that they're slaves of sin on an ongoing basis as a nature. But he who has, who was born of God, keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. So it's important to say that uh, the Holy Spirit, when one is born of God and is His child, that the Holy Spirit is involved in their life and, and quote keeps them. Uh, and, and his point is that that. The evil one, or any of his dominions, or, be, or de, uh, minions, uh, does not touch him. The word "touch" here is the idea of to 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 grasp onto and hold. It says that there is no, there's none of the adversary that can grasp on and hold a, a, a life of, of a believer. And it's important to say it before that we that that even if there was some. Uh, opposition, let's say, of the demonic world to believers, it would have already, what, been vetted and approved by who? By God, right? So, so that's, that's the caveat that even enters into saying that that, that could even exist. So, so now, are you, are you starting to catch a glimpse of why it's just so jugular for us to think rightly about these things? Because one of the easy ways for us, is, there's, there's, two, there's two problems you can, you can end up going down in, in this study. One is not to take it seriously and not understand that we are in a war. Okay? That is a major problem. Why? It is a battle. It is a war. And you're going to get whacked. You're going to get blindsided. Remember he says, in James he says, you, you wake up and find yourself smack dab in the middle of all these problems? You haven't got any clue how you got there. You don't have. You're not seeing it coming on the radar screen or, or or even on the dashboard of your life. You're all of a sudden in the accident. Follow me. 
huge, very important problem to, to weigh in on. So, so one problem is not taking it seriously, not taking it to, to bear in my life and, 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 and keeping my life alert spiritually. Okay? The second problem is to give it too much credence, to give it too much weight, to look and see that there's like a, a demon behind every tree waiting to jump out at me. I mean, it's absolutely not true. So, what's, what, what's the umbrella over both of these? Sovereignty. It's the sovereignty of God. I, I mean, if, there's, if there's one week that I don't speak of God's sovereignty, it's like, you know, it's probably going to be a problem. Because, I mean, the God's sovereignty in my life has just been this overarching kind of umbrella that, that allows me to think rightly about everything. So, because it causes you to fear Him. To fear God. And, and then believe what He says, right? And lean fully into it. Exactly. Exactly. So, do you see why the framing of this was so important for us to get before we get into this? Okay, is 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 one problem is not not taking it seriously. The other problem is taking it too seriously. And when I say too seriously, I mean getting outside the boundary conditions of what the truth is about about fallen angels and and believing their lies and and therefore having that uh, having it affect us. Okay, got it. Makes sense. Okay. So, with that, I'd like to just, uh, if I could, start by playing um, a quick song that I thought we'd hopefully hear it.
I don't know about you, but um, music for me many times is uh, is something that uh, allows me to be able to think rightly about things and be able to uh, to be able to, to to speak truth to my own soul and to be able to uh, uh, make sure that as I as I'm encountering a trial or to take truth and let it reign supreme in my life is that um, there's nothing greater than to know that uh, he's got the whole world in, in his hands and to be able to know that I can fear no evil because you are with me, right? Mm-hmm. So thank, thank the Lord for that as we enter into our study today. Okay, um, so let's uh, take a look at the truth about demons. So um, it all starts in Genesis <laughs> with the father of lies, and uh, you can look it up later, but John 8, 46, John 8, 44, the second half of that verse says uh, that, again, Satan is, is the father of lies. Satan is the father of lies. And uh, so why would we think that somehow uh, all of his minions aren't going to follow in the same, same suit, right? So it starts in Genesis 3, 1. I don't have to read it for you, but it says... Um, there hath not God said. Um, in other words, the whole point is, let me, let, let me throw a wrench in what you think and believe about who God is and His character. So that's, that's the deceitfulness of, of sin. Is all, always it's going to throw a wrench in God's character, who He is, or what He's done for us. Make sense? So that's how it starts, the whole thing. So there's two groups of... Uh, of demons. The first are those who are, quote, free and active in this world. Free and active in this world. The second are those who are bound and confined in prison. Bound and confined in prison. And underneath that, what we see, you can cross off the first line there because it's just not right. Uh, So there should be one dot here, which would be temporary confinement. Temporary confinement. Uh, and this is in a place called Tartaros. Tartaros, or it's another name for uh, the abyss. The abyss. Luke 8.31, uh, if you want to turn there real quick. Luke 8.31. Remember the, the situation was uh, he, he had come up upon this uh, individual who was, uh, who was from... Uh, uh, the country of the Gerasenes, some translations say Gadarenes, but Gerasenes, I'm, I think, if I'm not mistaken, all, all the Gospels actually speak of this account. It was such a powerful encounter with the spiritual realm. And so uh, what happened was that there's this individual who, who, who had uh, been possessed in verse 27, uh, Luke eight twenty seven, been in the tombs, not put any clothing on for a long time. But they came upon Christ, and he cried out and fell before him and said in a loud voice, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. He asked him what his name was. He said, Legion. Anybody know what Legion is? Many. Okay, Legion is a thousand soldiers. You know, if a Legion of ar- an army, a Legion, it would be a thousand soldiers. So he says, Legions. 
or le- uh, uh, speaking of multiple legion, probably, in, in a couple of the other Gospels. And so, most likely, if you can believe this, there was like probably three to 6,000 demons in this person. Three to 6,000. So, uh, just an amazing thing, but he, uh, the, the, the many demons had entered to him in verse 30. And uh, verse 31, he said, and they, they were entreating Christ not to command them to depart into where? Into the abyss, into the abyss. So into the abyss. So yeah. So this is the place where, where uh, some, some very of the most evil of evil demons are kept uh, under, under security in a prison, waiting for judgment. Okay. So this that's what the abyss is. We said the abyss was a, a bottomless pit. It is a place where spiritual beings are held, uh, awaiting judgment. And they are confined. So, why do you think that they told him this? Don't send us there. Well, that must be a horrible place. They knew that that, that, would, be their that would be the end. They're, they're they're completely bound till till the time of judgment. Right. Exactly. So, so Tartaros. Uh, Tartaros actually just means. Uh, I think it means like uh, pits of darkness. Not, not tartar sauce, <laughs> tartar sauce. <laughs> okay, so it's pits of darkness is what it is. Yeah. So uh, that's what Second Peter talks about. There is uh, pits of darkness. Um, but by the way, just, just so you, I mean, I think I mentioned this before, but let, let me just turn there real quick. Turn to turn to Second Peter two four, because here, here's a good situation where you, if you're not like paying attention, you're you're going to come up with a completely weird um, perspective of truth, right? So he says here in Second Peter 2, 4, he says, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell, is what the New American says, and committed them to pits of darkness reserved for judgment. So here you would, if you, if you, if you weren't studying correctly, you probably would come to a place of saying that there would be some who would be defi- uh, cast into this place of this hell, right? And then there's these others that would be put into Tartarus, right? You get that? See that? Probably. Okay, again, in the New Testament, uh, in the New Testament, there's there's thir- in the New American Standard at least there's thirteen there's thirteen uh, translations of hell. Twelve of the thirteen speak of a place called Gehenna, which is a physical place like south of Jerusalem that that was the garbage dump with. That literally, uh, literally was on fire, never-ending fire, just consuming things, and that's where they they sent stuff, and it, and, and the worm didn't died not, and it's like just it was it was a garbage dump, right? Made it a dump right from Moloch, yeah, yeah. Moloch, yeah. So, so that that's how it started, and and that was a place that Jesus Christ kept pointing to, saying, you know, it's going to be like this, it's going to be like this, it's going to be like this, okay? But one of those 13 places is here in Second Peter, and it's translated uh, hell here. But if you look at the word, it's not Gehenna, it's Tartarus. So you can see the difference here. It's a place of, of pits of darkness, so it ties to the abyss that we've been looking at. So just a comment on the side, not real important, but it's important to see how it's right understanding. Characteristics of demons. Characteristics of demons. First of all, that they are spirit beings without fleshly bodies. Spirit beings without fleshly bodies. Matthew eight sixteen. 
Matthew 8.16. Matthew 8.16 says, And when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out spirits with a word, and healed all who were ill. You will see in the scriptures that there is a tight coupling between uh, demonic possession and sickness, although they are two separate things. Once in a while you'll see the scriptures give us clarity around something that says, you know, and, and the demonic possession was caused sickness, but they are not the same thing, okay? And so there's physical illness and there's demonic possession, but and once in a while, one will cause, uh, cause the other. But if it does that, almost invariably, the scriptures are going to be very clear. It says, then this did this. Um, so, don't see them as the same thing at all. Although we will get to that as it pertains to um, some of their capabilities um, a little bit later. So, they're spirit beings without flesh because he says that here that they were demon-possessed and he cast them out with the word. So, they, fit, they left the physical bodies that they had inhabited. Um, so these, these, these uh, what, what, what we're going to see also is that there's this incredible manifestation of the demonic world about the time when Christ came. And so there, were, uh, there, was, a, there was just this heightened, escalated sense of the, the, the spiritual breaking into the physical world. And a connection between those two, especially in the um, Middle East area there, which is quite fascinating to me because you know you see the demonic world starting to you know do things now, right? And you see this kind of escalation kind of starting around the world, uh, and and so you know he says in the latter days, in the end times, and all these other things is that these that this is going to start to kind of crescendo and grow as the major timetables of, of, of God on earth are coming, up, coming along. And this happened to be, you know, at the right time, <laughs> at the pointed time when Christ came, right? So uh, you see that, that kind of happening there. So spirit beings without fleshly bodies. Second is that they are localized and not omnipresent. Localized and not omnipresent. Let's look at Acts 16, 16. Acts 16, 16. Localized and not omnipresent. Acts 16, 16 says, It happened that as they were going to the place of prayer, at a specific place, it's at that place that a certain slave girl having a, quote, spirit of divination. What's the spirit of divination? You're a fortune teller. Um, divination would mean that they could, what? Talk yeah. about... It would be future, supposedly, right? I, I would, I would add the caveat, supposedly, because the demonic world doesn't know the future other than what they've been told. Okay, so, so, but they try, because they've been watching very carefully what's been going on. They try to make people think that they have truth, and therefore believe them. Okay, so spirit of divination. Okay, so but but what happened here was that uh, uh, she says, you know, proclaiming you the way of salvation. The point here. You can't get this right here from this verse. In this verse, you go, well, what is wrong with that? What she said, right? See that in verse 17? Bond servants of the Most High, proclaiming to you the way of salvation, right? And yet, if you look behind it, it's really a mocking. She's mocking them. Mocking, mocking them. So, it's like, shut up, you know, be quiet. I command you in the name of Christ to come out of her at the very moment it came out. So, a place, localized, not omnipresent, Next is, um, uh, we're going to look at is uh, intelligent but not omniscient. Intelligent but not omniscient. 
Uh, let's look at Mark one twenty four. Mark one twenty four. Somebody got that? Oh, l- l- let me read this one. So, Mark one twenty four. Let's look at uh, verse twenty one. He went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath. He entered the synagogue and, and, and began to teach. And they were amazed at his teaching. He was teaching them as one having authority, not as the scribes. You know, just as an aside, <laughs> don't miss the clarity of the scriptures and how little words are so important. What does he say here? And just then, just then, there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit who cried out, saying, what do we have with, to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? You've come to destroy us, and I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Isn't it amazing? Just then. No coincidences in life, okay? It's right when Christ has established his authority and he's like going to, I mean, they, they're they leaning fully into this and it's just then that this demonic being goes, you know, here. So, so all of a sudden it's like, you know, teeing up in front of them, well, who are you going to believe? Follow me? And so, uh, just an aside, but... Uh, he says, be quiet, come out of him, and, he, and, and throw him in convulsions. Cried out with a loud voice, came out of him. Uh, so, uh, they're, aware of, they're aware of Christ's identity. They knew who he was, and they knew exactly why he was there. Next is in Matthew 8.29, they're aware of, aware of their own ultimate des- destiny. Matthew 8.29. Uh, Matthew 8.29, somebody got that? Okay, have you come here to torment us before, quote, the time? So the time here certainly could have been the fact that they thought he was coming to throw them into the abyss, I suppose. But I believe it's really, they know very clearly, it's been set out very, very unequivocally clear that there's coming a time of judgment and um, they're going to be judged. They know that ultimate destiny. Now, they don't believe it. They, they, I mean, they're going to do whatever they can to change that. But that's what's on, on the docket. Okay, next is they've developed their own system of truth. Uh, quote, the doctrines of demons. Uh, turn, to me, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. <clears throat> Destiny. Verse, chapter 4, verse 1 says, But... The Spirit explicitly says that in later times, it's not necessarily the last days. Um, it doesn't say the last days. It just says in later times. I, I believe this really is a is is a picture of the of the church age uh, as we know it, and, and as it counts down. But in, some will fall away from the faith, and we said the faith here is not, you know, uh, being a believer and becoming an unbeliever. But the faith here is really that body of belief. It's the truth that comes from the revealed scriptures of God. They're going to they're going to they're going to go the opposite way from what the faith says. And and what will that look like? Well, they're going to quote pay attention to deceitful spirits. So they're going to they're going to hang on to they're going to cling to spirits that are deceitful. Now, interesting enough, this word deceitful. We're going to get a talk about it more. But this is the this is the word that characterizes messages of Satan and, and fallen angels. They're called deceitful. It, it, is, it is the same word, it, it's the same root word that we get plan or um, planet. And, and the, the idea of a planet at that time was a, a wandering 
wandering star. It, it, it wasn't connected, wasn't grounded. It's like off doing something someplace. Has no, there's nothing tying it down. Uh, there's nothing. There's no orbit that they could see at that time, right? So that's the idea: is that it's just a wandering. It's wandering away from the truth, right? Ver, beginning of verse verse one. What are they wandering away from? What what is the deceitfulness keeping them? From doing it's, it's 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 causing them to stray or to wander away from the truth of God. Follow me, and and isn't it isn't that the isn't that the way that the doctrine of demons um, works? It, doctrine j- just means what a body of belief, a message, or okay, a, a thing. What what kind of wrapped up message that they say? So so the message of demons is to cause an individual to wander from the truth, from the scriptures. Now you see why it's just so important to get it right and figure it out and have, have, have the word of God dwell richly in our souls. Because anytime we tend to, quote, wander away from that truth, being grounded in that, is when we're going to sin. It's when we're going to, our intimacy with God is not going to be there. So that, that's what it's all about. That's why it's so important, is to understand these doctrines of demons. And he says that these doctrines of demons are these false messages that are going to cause them to, quote, wander away. Okay, so doctrines of demons. Uh, they've, they've developed their own system of truth. Doctrines of demons. They are powerful but not omnipotent. Uh, we, we already looked at this possessed man in the Gerasenes or Gadarenes. Um, and what, what he was there, so he was powerful, but he wasn't omnipotent. Um, if you turn there, just real quickly, um, let me just call out a few uh, character traits of, of him in this passage very quickly. Math, uh, Mark 5, verses 3 and 4. Um, first of all, we see in verse uh, 2 is that this man, he come out of the boat, and immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met them. And he, no one was able to bind him in verse three anymore, even with a chain. So, the, uh, first of all, he's uh, this idea of being with an unclean spirit is the idea of him being demonized. Demonized is is kind of the word that he, he's demonized. He's he's been assaulted by by demons by a demon. Okay. Point number one. Point number two is that he has this incredible strength, superhuman strength, superhuman strength that that that. Uh, three to five, three to six thousand. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's a lot, right? So there's not going to be anybody who could hold him. They chained him down. They tried, but nobody could could hold him. Another thing here is that it says here that um, he had been bound in shackles. The chains torn apart. Verse four, shackles broken in pieces. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Verse five, and constantly day and night among the tombs and the mountains, he was crying out and gnashing himself with stones. So there's this incredible self-destructive behavior that is going to be manifested in a person that's demon-possessed. They're, they're going to be um, self-destructive almost invariably. Uh, uh, at least in this situation we see that. Another thing here is that when confronted with the person of Christ, they must, quote, bow down. The, de- the demonic world must bow down before Jesus Christ. Verse, f- verse 6. Um, Another thing here that you see is is that he said we're legion, we're many in verse nine, and he and he um, he said they send him 
uh, it treated him to send him into this swine, this this swine, the pigs. The pigs, by the way, in this context here, were were like the economic uh, 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 money making endeavor for this this particular geography of people. And so, uh, the fact that they were there, and he said, "Send us into into the pigs." First of all, don't. Why, why did they say that? Yeah. Why did they say send us in the pigs as opposed to just cast us out and don't send us to the abyss? Wouldn't be found. Point number one, yep. Exactly. A being, yes, correct. So so it's important to get that, is that is that animal possession is 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 their second option that they would like. It almost sounds like that's the only by being. Well, they can exist outside that, but they would, but their preferences, preferences, yeah, their preferences. Their second preference besides... Uh, a human being possession is animal possession. Um, so that's um, you know, that, that, that's interesting kind of thing going on here. The, the other thing here is that uh, is that he says that their legion again in this situation he says two thousand of them uh, uh, verse thirteen uh, ran down into this drowned in the sea. Two thousand pigs again. If you think that you know each one had one or more than one, you know it's quite a few, right? Uh, and it's also interesting in verse 13, it says that um, he gave them permission. That the point here is that he granted them permission. So Jesus Christ owns granting permission to, again, what, what demons can do on planet Earth. And, uh, and putting the boundaries around them. Uh, also, I think it's important, last point here I wanted to mention is that, is that uh, they, they came in, in verse... Uh, Verse 10, they began to entreat him earnestly not to send them out of the country. I thought that was a fascinating point. What, 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 any thoughts about why not the country? Okay, so, so the point is that, that, there's, a, that there's, a, there's something to the geography that, that's here. Um, I, I think that's true, and we're going to see that. I think that's more on a national level. Um, but it doesn't mean that it can't manifest itself locally. But what's the local manifestation as to why they would not want to go out of this, quote, country is because hearts. So they've, they, they've gotten hearts to resonate in such a way that, 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 they're, that they have full sway and full, um, you know, full ability to get anything done they want to get done within this community for some reason. They're yeah, they're winning. So don't send us to a place where we got a lot of work to do. <laughs> we're we're winning right now. Yeah, we're winning. So I think it's kind of fascinating because again, the, you know, the, the people once they saw that what had happened, they said, "Go away from our country. Go away from here. You know, we don't want you here anymore." Well, they just witnessed Jesus Christ, the Son of God, throw <laughs> these, the, 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 make this person right, right-headed, right, and and but now their entire economic future was shot because of this. So, just a comment on the side about, you know, how God wants our hearts. He wants everything of who we are, and and it's not like, you know, this this thing over here, our idol over there, so to speak. Yeah. Does that mean that once, once God... Well, he will determine where they will, where <laughs> their boundaries are. Um, I think they were just saying, you know, if you send us there, you send us there, you know. That means you, we're there, not back here. Right. Um, the other context is there. Yeah. Yeah. Come back in worse, worse ways than before. Okay. Um, next one is that uh, it, uh, under powerful but not omnipotent is a demon and a boy. Uh, we uh, we won't return to that. You can look at that on your own. 
due to time. Um, the next one is that it, uh, uh, possession impaired a boy's Mark? speech. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, no, please. Ask it. By the way, I am going to turn to this one. So turn to Mark 9 with me while, while we're getting the question out on the table. Um, well, they would have. They would have then had to go. Um, so they wouldn't have been able to continue and have it at them as if they died. Yeah, they wouldn't have wanted to. So then stay they just, there. Yep. I mean, they weren't inhibiting yep. anything else. Correct. Right. Huh. Yes, they. As a secondary preference to human beings, it'd be animal possession. Yeah. That would be the third preference, as opposed to going to the abyss. As, as opposed to going to the abyss, yeah. Well, that's a two-part question. One, uh, believers, they cannot be possessed by... We're going we're gonna to get that. Get to that. And uh, the first part of that question would be, yeah, but yeah. they do. By God. From God. Yeah. So if they're set free, then... Demons need... Do they, no, need, no, permission, do they need permission to uh, yeah. another animal? Uh, I believe that demonic beings need permission by God to do everything. So he may say, okay, yeah, here are the boundaries, go play in them, right? But he still establishes the boundaries. So when they were in those swines and then they drowned, they're free again. Not really free, they need permission to... Do whatever. Now he may have said you can go play any place in these borders, you know, whatever, but yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. Okay, uh, this one here, uh, Mark 9... um, Let's look at verse 17, if you would. Because uh, what we see here is a, a demon-possessed boy. Verse 17 says, And one of the crowds answered him, Teacher, I, I, I brought you my son, possessed with a spirit which makes him mute. So first of all, let's, let's write down a bunch of character traits of what happens with this demon possession here. This happens to be a, a demon who has the power. Somehow God's been given him, this particular demon, the power to make mute. Mute means what? can't speak, right? can't speak. So he can open his mouth, but nothing can come out. So this alone tells me that some, some demons, fallen angels, have been given certain, certain powers, physical powers, over certain areas of, 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 of human beings. This one happens to be one that uh, makes mute. Um, verse 18, and whenever it seizes him, it, it dashes him to the ground and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and stick, stiffens out. So this is, uh, these are some of the physical traits of a demon-possessed person would be that they, um, they, they dash him to the ground. The idea is that they, they throw him on the ground and they're, they're rolling around on the ground would be, an exa- would be what he's talking about, okay? And keep, continue throwing down the ground. And then... Um, Foaming at the mouth, that's another thing. So, uh, uh, foaming at the mouth and grinding his teeth and, and then this stiffen out like a board concept um, also. Like yeah, yeah. yeah, very much. I mean, you can see a seizure really written all over it, right? Um, what, what else do you see here? He says, uh, verse 20, he says, and he saw him, uh, Christ, uh, the demon saw Christ, and immediately the spirit threw him into a convulsion again. A convulsion happening here. So, and last but not least, we see that uh, his past history had been in verse 22 to try to um, throw him into a fire and into water to destroy him. So this demon had had been um, granted the ability to do some to do everything but kill him. He had tried many times, threw him in the fire, been burnt, probably over his whole body, um, tried to drown him. 
but but had not been successful. So, okay, next one is Matthew 9.23, is a possession imperative voice speech. Uh, we just saw that there. Um, uh, also, uh, Matthew 15.22, kept a girl in slavery. Uh, kept a girl in slavery, again, in, in, in the bondage of slavery, of demon possession for many years. Okay, we won't go into that one. Uh, you can read it later. Um, and, and, and the next one here, let's look at John 10.21. John 10.21. Mark, in both of those other ones that we just studied, the demons were always surprised that Jesus present. Yeah. Which kind of helps you to also understand they're not omnipresent. Exactly. They didn't expect it all of a sudden they saw him. All of a sudden it's like, yeah. whoa. <laughs> so, you know, they weren't up, you know, trying to figure out everything out. They were like fully engaged in the possession portion of it so that they didn't even wake up and smell the roses, coffee, you know. I mean, Christ is on earth, you know, he's coming, you know. It's like, it was like they were like completely into it, you know, that way. So, yeah, good point. Uh, John 10.21 says, uh, uh, other, uh, this is after Christ has, has, uh, um, uh, has, has uh, demonstrated his authority. And there arose a division among the Jews, verse 19, and many of them were saying he has a demon and is insane. Why do you listen to him? And then others were saying, these are not the sayings of a demon possessed, of, of one demon possessed. A demon cannot open the eyes of the blind, can he? So a demon cannot do the work of God, and they are limited in power because of that. You know, they can't do that which would be um, good things. They, they'd only do the things that would be um, their own best interest, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, here they possess one bull. I mean, I, I, Satan's goal is to destroy. Yeah. And so Deceive and destroy. of his life and domino effect that it has. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just seems... Yeah. And you'll see this, by the way. Uh, we, we, we'll get into it next time, probably. But I mean, there's this, uh, there, there is this generational manifestation of, of because demons. Let's say, I mean, bottom line, I mean, they're they're eternal beings, right? I mean, they're they're spirit beings. So they they have been around since the garden, and they have watched generation after generation. Human beings die, but they see the threads, and they continue to, whether it's a, a country, a nation, a, a people, a, a place. Um, a family, uh, you see this... Um, the strategy gets more powerful. Exactly. Because that's all they can have. Right. And what they've been revealed Exactly, they've been revealed to them. Revealed to so them. their strategies get more powerful. Exactly, they grow in so understanding. So and Exactly. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, they can. In fact, uh, you know, it says that a, uh, Satan transforms himself into what? An angel of light as to what he was before, right? So he look. The point is, he look really good. You know, looks like the right thing. But again, the you know, what is a good work, quote unquote? It's one with the right motivation, doing the right thing with for the right reasons. You know, right way, all, all the things, time. all at the same time, and and that will never line up for a demon because it's always going to be selfish, selfishly motivated or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Classifications of demons. Um, Let's take a look at uh, Ephesians 6.12. Ephesians 6.12. Somebody want to read that? Our struggle is not against blood, but against rulers, against forces of this darkness, spiritual forces of wickedness. Okay. Uh, This is an umbrella. Um, So we have Satan, who's at the top of the heap here. And what we see is that this verse gives us, um, I believe, um, some would not agree, but I, I do believe that this verse gives us an understanding of of the governmental um, approach or the hierarchical approach of 
of the demonic world. And he says here to begin with that um, uh, starts with rulers. And so uh, here, what we see here is uh, th- there are uh, a level here called rulers. Um, and um, just like any other army or any other uh, uh, organizational structure, uh, you know, if, if you had all the information, you could probably draw an org structure of the demonic world. Okay? And that's really what this, I think, is meant. And so, rulers are those who are first or highest in rank. They are the highest rank that would report, I believe, directly to Satan. Okay? The next year is powers. 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 So, uh, to them... Um, are those who have authority or authorities, uh, those who are invested with authority. The idea here is that those who are invested with dominion or oversight or jurisdictional responsibilities, the idea with authorities, okay? Ours. Next one here is uh, world forces of this darkness. World forces of this darkness. So this darkness being... Where? Earth, right. So, I believe these um, have uh, geographical uh, responsibilities and orientation um, and and accountability. Uh, They are evil spirits who who express their nature, excuse me, they're they're, uh, evil spirits who exercise their power and authority over the world. I'll come back to this one. Um, In fact, David mentioned it a second ago. Um, of, of an example of one of the... And then I think down below here what you have is this next one here, which is spiritual forces of wickedness, of which we saw an example even here. Um, so, so this is world forces, this is spiritual forces, and we saw the, the mute, the, the, the demon who had muting capability, right? That was a, I, I think that would be an example of spiritual forces of wickedness. Wickedness manif- The point here is that they manifest them, their, their own evil nature, their own evil character. Every one of these has their own na- <coughs> evil character and nature uh, uh, as a part of their fall. And so each of them have different bents or, or ways or places that, that, that would be the areas that they would be the greatest at tempting in, if you would. So... Um, uh, world forces ge- geographical. Then I think be- beneath them are the, those who have those responsibilities or those capabilities, you know, to to affect um, within that geography that that way. I can't I, I can't be dogmatic on this, but I I think there's a reason why it's laid out this way, and, and it seems to make sense. Okay, next I want to look at Daniel 10. Turn there with me. Daniel chapter 10. This is a fascinating passage, and I hope you get a view of this, because um, what, what I don't want you to miss as we go through this, this portion of the study is that there is angelic conflict um, occurring behind the scenes, and these angelic conflicts are, are in the process of determining a um, geopolitical landscape on planet Earth. And so um, uh, we see this uh, happening today in the way in which it's being manifest as, as more and more uh, 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 framing and, 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 and developing the, 
the, the, the stage starting to populate the set for the end times is coming about. Well, Daniel chapter 10, um, we'll look at uh, verse 13. Um, first of all, back up to verse 1 in chapter 10 and 2. Um, Daniel had, it was the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. Now, where is Persia again? Iran. Persia is Iran. It's present day Iran. Okay, so don't miss this. Present day Iran. Okay, and he says that he uh, and the message um, was revealed to Daniel. And it was a message that was true and one of great conflict, and he understood the me- but he understood the message and had an interpretation of the vision. And he was mourning for three weeks. How long is three weeks? Okay, Twenty one days. So he's he's mourning. He's 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 mourning about this message for for 21 days. And in that time, he didn't, uh, he didn't eat at all. No tasty food, uh, wine in or his mouth. And so 21 days. Now you move down to, um, to uh, verse 10. And then behold, a hand touched me, and he said, trembling on my hands and knees, and he said to me, O Daniel, man of high esteem, understand the words that I'm about to tell you, and stand, and stand upright, for I have now been, a, been sent to you, and when he had spoken this word of me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, verse 12, Do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this, this uh, message, okay, and, and on humbling yourself before, the, before your God, your words were he- heard, but I, and I have come in response to your words. So at the very beginning of the prayer, God heard this, and he sent an, uh, an angelic messenger. Verse 13, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. So there's this, there's this, there's this um, world force king of darkness who is over I- Iran. I don't think that that's changed. I think that same ruler, or that same fallen angel has still been given by Satan um, oversight of of, of Iran. I like the next verse. He says, um, uh, Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, again, of God, right, came to help me, for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. So there, so underneath that person, there were multiple uh, rulers of some kind within the spiritual realm, of which he had been left with spirit in, the, in, in their presence for 21 days. And, and Michael came to his defense, verse 14. Now I've come to give you an understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision pertains to the days yet future. D- don't miss something here. Somehow I believe that spiritual realm knew that this message was going to come forward to Daniel. And I think they were holding, they're, they're trying to keep it from, from being communicated to, to mankind, because it's a message of truth about the future that has to do everything with the you know 50th, Week of Daniel, fortieth uh, week of Daniel. Excuse me. So, this is, you know, this is wild. It's um, somehow they knew because that's not omniscient, right? Somehow they right. So exactly. And then he goes. They didn't take him by surprise. You're saying no. I, I believe that's why they thwarted his his coming. Um, verse fifteen. And when he has spoken to me according to these things, I turned my face toward the ground and became speechless. 
And behold, one who resembled a human being was touching my lips, and, and I opened my mouth and spoke, and said to him who was standing before me, O Lord, as a result of the vision, anguish has come upon me, and I have retained no strength. Verse 17, For how can such a servant of my Lord talk with such as my Lord? As for me, there remains just now no strength in me, nor has there been any breath left in me. So the physiological uh, responses of Daniel as a result of having seen this and having to deal with this and not having all the answers has, uh, has left him completely wiped out, much less not eating for three weeks. Um, then this one with human appearance touched me and, and, and again, touched me again and strengthened me. He said, O man of high esteem, do not be afraid. Peace be with you. Take courage and be courageous. Doesn't that sound familiar? Um, now, as soon as he spoke to me, I received strength and said, May my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Verse 20. Then he said, Do you understand why I came to you? But I shall now return to fight against the prince of Persia again. Okay. So I am coming forth, and, go, and behold, the prince of Greece is about to come. Whoa! Who's the prince of, P- of Greece? Persia as a kingdom, came out of the Medo-Persian Empire, right? And then out of that Medo-Persian Empire came, came Persia, who swallowed up the Medes. And now he's saying, I'm going to fight against the prince of Iran, or Persia, but there is another prince, who is the prince of Greece, who is coming. So you see that these prince of Babylon, prince of Medo-Persian Empire, Prince of Greece, and I would suggest, if those three were true, the Prince of Rome. And then, therefore, in totality, Rome too, which would be Antichrist. Those all come from the same place. That is, Satan. So he has princes over these kingdoms uh, because they are his kingdoms. He's been given rule and authority over over planet Earth. And he says here, the prince of Greece is about to come, verse 21, therefore I will tell you what is inscribed in the writing of truth. What? Yet there is no one who stands firmly with me against these forces except Michael. What does he say? Your prince. Michael, your prince. Who's your prince? Daniel's prince. So Michael is the prince of Israel. He is the one who is over Israel. Follow me? Amazing. Amazing. So do not lose sight of the fact that this incredible conflict that's happening behind the scenes is an angelic conflict between good and evil. It is happening whether we know it or not, and it is absolutely shaping uh, the landscape for the geopolitical uh, world as we know it today and setting all things in course and in, on the stage for the events of human history to unfold before our eyes in what's coming. Right. Correct. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, Antichrist, when he comes back, or when he comes into in existence, uh, will be inhabited by Satan and he will uh, reconstruct Babylon as we know it today. Uh, and the new, from from the first place of Nebuchadnezzar. And so it is uh, there that he will set up his, um, all, all roads will lead, remember like you used to say, all roads lead to Rome, then in the, in, in, the, in the seven year tribulation it'll be all roads lead to Babylon. It'll be the center of all economic um, influence on planet earth, all 
all all commerce will will flow through there. Uh, I believe it's because all the um, electronic uh, world will be housed and as the hub in Babylon, and it will become the greatest of all cities right on now planet Earth. And there's all being manufactured outlets or what you call those things like jettisons. Yeah. And there's like fifty jettisons that go out from this one mainland mm. big massive marina with mm. Well that that I my point on this one was that um, is that uh, is that Satan is behind uh, all these things. He's setting them up and he's preparing the way for for his man, man of lawlessness, to come forward, which is Antichrist. Yeah. We know all this is going to No. I mean, it means that we do everything we can against it. But again, what is it that we should do? What's the so what? Is that the gospel of Jesus Christ saves human beings from eternal hell. And that's the message of the gospel. Is that eternal life can be had with Christ. As opposed to not with Christ. Pardon me? And there's no fear. And there's no fear. Absolutely no fear. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And he says, we didn't get to the last verse of, of 1 John 5, but it says, brethren, keep yourself from idols. Keep yourself from having anything raised up in your life that it will take the place of who Christ is in your life. Um, keep that. Guard it. It's deceitful. Idols are deceitful. It's the nature of them. It's the foothold. Yeah. So let's uh, close in prayer if we could. Um, Father, I just thank you for this study. I thank you for truth that we can hang on to and grip on tightly. And we thank you that um, none of the adversary or his minions can grip on to us. And that that, uh, you are the one and we can fear no evil um, because you are with us. And that you um, are supreme over all things and you are sovereign over every little thing. And Father, help us not to forget as we go through this week that we are to live for you and that we are no longer to live for ourselves, but that we've been bought with a price and that we are to live for you and you alone. And Father, I pray that our words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable before you as we go through this week and that we would speak truth. Father, give us an ability, an extra heightened sense of the power of God to be courageous and to communicate these things to those who don't know Christ and are going to... Uh, an eternity that will um, be forever. And uh, Father, I pray that that would just reverberate in our hearts and our minds. And may we be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might this week. In Jesus' name, Amen.